Okay, ladies. I'm Tony Moss. I produce this show. Some of you probably heard that I'm a prick. I am a prick. I got one interest here, and that's the show. I don't care whether you live or die. I want to see you dance, and I want to see you smile. I can't use you if you can't smile. I can't use you if you can't show. I can't use you if you can't sell. Let me take a look at you. Spread out. Spread out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Marty, take a look at these tits. What are these, watermelons? This is a stage, babe. It's not a patch. See ya. I've seen you before. Yes, Mr. Moss, I auditioned for you in January. You told me to get my nose fixed. Nose looks good. Thank you, Mr. Moss. Nice smile, too. Thank you, Mr. Moss. You know what, though? Your ears are sticking out. They are. Come back and see me when you get them fixed. See ya. Can you spell MGM backwards? I bet you can't. MGM. I'm impressed. Come back when you fuck some of this baby fat off. See ya. I hope you got some nice wigs, tennis ball. I do. What kind of classes have you had? Ice skating classes, Mr. Moss. Ballet classes, technique classes, stretch classes, jazz classes, jazz technique classes. This show is called Goddess. It ain't called classes. See ya. What kind of classes have you had? I haven't had classes. Then what are you doing here? I'm watching you be a prick. <sighs> well, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's your boy, the Mark Rob, aka Sean Matt Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka PC Twitter, aka 4i Willie, aka Stove God Books, coming at you with another We Should Do This Again Sometime episode. Even though this is a deleted scenes episode, we're going to do it a little bit differently. Typically, deleted scenes aren't really produced. <laughs> I uh, I look to kind of put those clips together and keep it moving. But this one's a bit different. There was a little bit of runoff from last week's episode to where I didn't want it to go a bit too long. But I did feel like there was a lot left uh, that we put on the table. So there's going to be the beginning of this episode you can kind of think of it as a runoff to the end of last week's episode. But then after that clip, there's going to be some deleted scenes also. When we recorded the episode, it was a really good time. It was really fun. As you can tell from the last episode, I had a ball. <laughs> so I hope you did too. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Peace. I guess the best way that I would put this into words is to say that I wish that I didn't feel like Paul Verhoeven looked down on all the people that want to be showgirls. Because, like, at the end of the day, I feel like he is kind of like, well, this is what the poor stupids do. Right. Like right. The, I mean, yeah, and, that's. <laughs> and, like. That's his whole aesthetic. Right. But there's, I wish there was a little more empathy there for, like. Yeah. For these people who, like, this is their whole life. And, like, this is all they're trying to do is, like, basically all of them are trying to crawl their way out of poverty. 
there's no empathy for any character in Basic Instinct or in Showgirls. Like, I, I would argue there's like a little bit of empathy for Nick in Basic Instinct, just in the way that he's in the hero role. I feel yeah, like yeah, it's kind of built in. The interviewer tunes in, sees Michael Douglas, like, okay, he's the good guy. He's a good guy. I'm a cheer for that guy. So there is just enough to get Joe Schmo viewer to accept yeah. that. And that's what's kind of, I feel, is a little dangerous about these movies. Very dangerous. So, like, Showgirls, he and, you know, RoboCop and Starship Troopers, you know, he definitely satirizes American uh, consumerism, consumption, capitalism, all the kind of shit that sort of deals with money and wanting fame and wanting power. And he throws in sex in there and sometimes a very haphazard way. And you kind of get this telling of a lot of, you know, judgments that he passes on, you know, Americans. So a lot of that, he doesn't leave room for empathy, which you're absolutely right. Like this is a woman who has no family. She has a suitcase that in the first 15 minutes is stolen from her. So she literally has nothing to try to crawl her way up to the top. And And she does it. And the only person that really has sympathy for is, you know, the black girl that, you know, saves her life in more ways than one. Molly. So I, I agree that there's definitely more room for uh, for him to have that kind of empathy in his storytelling, particularly for showgirls. Is there any directors that come to mind that you feel like would have done better with both of these films? I this ninety two. No, not even ninety two. Like I mean, the the eras are the same, same but the pluck director for anyone from anywhere. I want to see the woman who directed Hustlers make Showgirls, because I think I mean, she, that I think that she did a really good job of creating these characters that weren't necessarily likable, but like the movie was not casting judgment on Reem them. Scafaria. Yeah, and I think that she did a really good job of capturing the glitter but also the grossness of of dancing and i think that she could have done a really good i i think i think to me is hustlers is her trying to make showgirls but good yeah i was gonna Um, say that yeah and i i kind of wish that she didn't have to make showgirls but good she could have made showgirls i think she could have done a really good job with that i think Um, that's an amazing choice aesthetic speaking I would have been really interested. I know this is a little more 80s than 90s, but I would have been really interested to see what Walter Hill could have done with this. So he did Streets of Fire. He's the executive producer of a lot of like the aliens stuff. He also directed The Warriors. Uh, Yeah, 48 hours. 48 hours. Dang, Um, he had his hands in a lot of good stuff. He did. And Streets of Fire is a mess. I love it very much, but it's a mess. But, like, he clearly knows his way around, like, a crowded dance scene. Mm. He knows his way around, like, like even Streets of Fire. Like, the all the woman does in that movie is get kidnapped, right? But, like, you feel bad for her. You kind of understand that she doesn't want to, like, trust the guy who's rescuing her for a good reason. He clearly has some understanding of, like, how character works. Just, just a little bit. Yeah, I I would say for him, I don't know if he, I don't know how well he would actually do with women though, because I'm, I'm looking at kind of more of his stuff, mm-hmm. like warrior, like warriors. They don't do women. I think. Well, the thing is, I don't warriors. think the script needs a lot of work. 
Like, I think he just needs to to direct it like he directs, especially Streets of Fire is the one that keeps coming to mind with the, the, the flash and like, yeah, maybe it's a little wooden, but like there is some weird depth there because I feel like what's lacking in Verhoeven's direction at all is the depth. Like there's a weird lack of depth for this two hour movie. It's just here's this character, here's this character, here's this character. They're doing these things, and there's no motivation behind and any of it. And sometimes they fuck. Like <laughs> cool, sometimes. great. Sony about sixty six percent of both films is is fucking. So there's and that. And sometimes he would be gay. Scandal. Yeah. Right. My guy. My guy Gus. The only person I should have survived a basic instinct. Well, she got that magna cum laude pussy on her that done fried up your brain. Mm-hmm. Hardly knew ye, Gus. Hardly knew ye. Oh, man. These were some fucking movies, boy. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I didn't think of this until now. Well, like I said, I, I first watched this when I was like like 93, basically. So I was like Damn, seven or some shit. Though, but yeah, like my like, I, I really wasn't supposed to like. I was with my dad. He passed out mm-hmm. like in the credits. Like he like he passed out the opening credits. So and so I like basically just watched the movie like alone or whatever. And watching a high school, you know, not really too too kind of smart about kind of filming like that. And so yeah, like she definitely knew that like. Michael Dose is going to kill Roxy. And it, it's actually funny talking about kind of the queer subtext of this movie. Both of it's so funny. Both of these women were queer. Well, she's queer and she got killed. Beth, she didn't get killed until it was kind of made known that she was, you know, that she was or is queer or whatever. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's definitely a, a hang up for him. Yeah, man. This movie's fucked. I'm I'm still watching basically you can see right now. He's actually in the car chase going up the hills of San Francisco. And parallel I I was not gonna parallel parking on fucking hills in San Francisco, bro. That shit looks it's like they do it every day, obviously, but I was not trying to do that stressful ass shit. Like that shit, <laughs> that shit looks like, like a, a roller coaster. And a half. That shit sucked. Like dri- <laughs> even driving up like driving up streets it's it just feels strange right. it's like a bad roller coaster that you don't enjoy so now he's playing chicken with it he, now he's playing chicken with roxanne like roxanne or roxy Rock. like he like he knows like he's purposely going to kill this girl like he he knows like he is going he's like he's driving in front of her on purpose because he's getting that cocaine and drilling about to kill mm-hmm. so shout shout out the cops <laughs> Shout out the fucking cops, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus. That was a beautiful car she had, too. It was a very nice car. Yeah, like, there's not a whole lot of why. Question about Basic Instinct. Yeah. Was was Catherine just naturally a murderer who just happened to yeah. confess through her stories, or did she simply murder yeah. to write the stories? No, well, she so wrote she the had... first story before she did the murder. The, about the, the book like came the... out. The book that was published came out before Which she murdered the about. guy. Mm-hmm. Even before that, like she murdered her parents in the boat accident, and so 
even the kind of thing of like her studying Roxy and studying the older woman, she only did it to learn more about what it means to be like have these kind of homicidal impulses seemingly out of nowhere. And so building those kind of intimate relationships with those different people, she kind of learned kind of the origins of it. And Mm -hmm. then itself, she kind of turned it into learning more about Michael Douglas and how he was like, had this kind of homicidal impulse to like, you know, murder these people while being a cop. The only person she didn't really kill was the boxer. But everyone else, like, she definitely killed. She would have killed the boxer had she gotten the chance. Yeah, basically. Someone else just beat her to it. Yeah. I like the idea of her being a serial killer more than her just being motivated to write books. (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, like, one of those things to where, you know, people who commit, like, you know, heinous crimes, they have, like, calling cards or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's basically, like, her public confession of the shit. And so if you go back and look at the printed clipping when Nick came to her house and like she ended things and she was printing, it states like there like like Gus was gonna get murdered in the elevator. Right. So like she like she had it like all planned out. Which which in ninety two and ninety three you can't really see that on our basic ass TVs back then. So that was kind of like a ho hum point or whatever. Definitely a top five zero killer for me. I I can tell you that much right now. <laughs> Michael Myers ain't got shit on her I tell you that much But what if Michael Myers had Heelys Then we'd all be fucked <laughs> I just got this picture of him wheel- Heeling around Yeah, with the You're like oh I can outrun him And then like He just starts heeling towards you And you're like oh shit oh fuck so are we going to do a Halloween Kills episode? Because I feel like we have to, since we did Palooza last year. Should we watch uh, Halloween 2 and also Halloween Kills and make that a, a double feature October episode? What makes me want to get close to someone and snuggle? Fear. Salutations, I'm Melisette, and on a frightful fret with Melisette... I read classic horror stories combining audiobooks and audio drama into a podcast. Come away with me into the darkness and let me make your ears tingle with a sensation of terror. A Frightful Fret with Melisette. Available everywhere podcasts are and find us at ourfrightfulfret.net. Don't forget. Arya, so now we're in a portion of to where... We were at just kind of the standard deleted scenes that we would normally have for a deleted scenes episode. Some of the scenes include Kat's concern over checking out Basic Instinct at her local public library, a couple of uh, showgirl derails, and just kind of us, you know, chopping it up just about a couple of different topics. Uh, before we start, though, just want to send a quick shout out and rest in peace, Willie Garson. He played Stanford Blatch on Sex in the City. We recently had the short miniseries on Sex and the City for Great Expectations. And while we were pretty critical of the show, his character and his light and his talent and his funniness did shine across whenever he would appear on the show. So rest in peace to that man. And without further ado, here we go. Check it out. Peace.
since we have that that big podcast money now. Oh, big podcast money. <laughs> so big so, that I turned my desk and it looks like a, a whole new setup. Speaking speaking of so Paul big, Verhoeven, we still had to pirate some of these movies. <laughs> Facts. Okay, okay low-key, though. I don't want to give money to Amazon. So Showgirls oh. is not streaming on Amazon. Oh, yeah, I know. I uh, actually, Showgirls is not, not streaming anywhere. Because that doesn't surprise me. I spent several days trying to find it. And I could drive to the library in Cambridge and check it out. But then I would have to explain to someone in yeah, real life why I'm renting Showgirls on VHS. Um, yeah, you don't gotta explain shit to shit, so you just hey, check this out. I mean, you just be like, "Hey, it's check from a podcast. Out. We should do this again sometime with Cat and Mark." You Whenever should come listen to my podcast, podcast where I yell about queer things and feminism. Yeah, absolutely. And occasionally, like talk about wrestling and cut promos. I don't know. I'm very normal and well adjusted. Thank you for noticing. We um, all are. Hilarious. Good friends. Good so, podcast. Good network. I understand that this movie for a lot of people, especially because it seems like it's been on Cinemax every day since 1995. That's true. But also all the times that it's on basic cable with the nudity covered up with the black boxes. Yeah, they also have an R-rated cut. (laughs) There is an R-rated cut that has a minute and a half of film removed. So there's like no, no graphic rape and we don't see... There's one bit where you can quickly see a dancer's penis in the background, and they cut that. Cut his dick. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Right off. Skizzers and all. But hey, anyway. Paul Verhoeven um, there's a movie where, there's a Paul Verhoeven movie where a guy gets his penis in a Boy, am I not surprised. sliced off. So, yeah. What movie is that? For research purposes. Show, Showgirls 2, <laughs> Pennies from Heaven, which is no. a movie that exists. Did y'all read up about that at all? I, I, Showgirls 2, Electric Boogaloo. So, for me, have, y'all, have y'all... Have y'all... Did Marcus pause for you, too? He did pause, but now he seems to be... Hold on. Hold on. For some reason, my... MacBook is playing our Sex and the City episode. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. I, I laughed too. I laughed so hard that it it auto played the fucking Great Expectations episode one. What? That was very sh- by the Mac man. Also, I don't know, just to, to close the loop on, on Great Expectations, they filmed a funeral scene in New York not all that long ago. So I guess... Surprise, do it. fucking surprise. Do speaking, it. speaking of AIDS and shit, uh, I don't know what happened to Samantha, but I hope it wasn't that. Imagine hey, if they were like, well, <laughs> consumption got her because she fucked too many men. Like, what are they going to do? When Halloween Kills comes out? October 18th? No. 12th, maybe? I, I, I think it's like the second Friday in October. Uh, I'm down to the episode. I don't know when I'm actually going to see it. I don't know if I'm going to go to the theaters to actually watch when it comes out, though. 
Yeah, in fairness, uh, you live in hell right now. Like, yes. things are pretty bad up here, but at least now they're like, please wear a mask in a movie theater. And I'm like, oh no, I'll never financially recover from this. Except, yes, I will wear whatever you want if I get to watch a movie in a theater. And I feel like Texas is still kind of like, yeah, just snort germs out of other people's noses directly. It's fine. They're taking, like, horse medication? Somewhere. Yeah, I heard about that. The guy who suggested that died of an overdose on horse medication, by the way. Oh, my God. I'm actually yeah. considering not going to go see Shang-Chi in the theater just because we're... Isn't we fucking my, packed? Mine County is red again, so... Our our yeah. whole state is red, but we're at, like, 3% positive, a little under 3%. Uh, I'm not so as not, as red goes, we are on the the low end of that. Yeah, I think the entire night without hyperbole, I think the entire country is red. There right? is one county in Maine that is orange. Oh wow, good for them. Yeah, I'm probably gonna stay out of theater until at least December. If masks are required and being enforced, which they are at least in Massachusetts, they are like, not here. Fuck it, I don't care. Yeah. Um. But our problem is up here, like, even, I know from here, even if it's required, there's still going to be people that are, like, eating food and shit, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> if you can get the N95s, which I know are kind of hard to grab right now, those are 96, oh, no, that's all I get. those are uh, 96% effective, even if you're the only person wearing one. So, obviously, that's a personal choice that you've got to make with your own shit, but, like, at least that's better than nothing. No, that's what that's all I wear. Like, yeah. Um, if I'm in in a public space or even if I'm going through the drive through, like that's all I wear now. Yeah. I'm trying to wait for Hollow the like the seven twenty P version of fucking Candyman the leak. Which apparently fucking sucks. I'm very disappointed. Oh man. Coleman didn't knock it out the park, man. I, I, I fuck with Coleman the um I've only heard name? from like I've only heard from like two I didn't read them because I don't want to spoil it, but I heard from, like, two different black woman writers that it wasn't good. One of them, she's actually... she's Coleman actually Domingo. One of the most smartest people I've actually seen talk about movies. But she be she does kind of go hard body karate, but I, like, heavily respect her opinion. Um, I still want to watch it, but not at the cost of, you know, life and death. So uh, this is not one of those movies. I can tell you that for, I can tell you that for sure already. But I do think you guys should watch You Don't Know Me. I think it really is, like, I would say, as far as, like, movie criticism, I mean, obviously, like, this is something that, like, me and Kat do that, and me and, you know, Kellen have done, and I'm, like, you know, really big into it. I think that's, like, one of the most thoughtful kind of pieces of movie criticism I've, like, seen in a long time. And and it's not, like, it's, it's it really is from the point of... I do think you can have any opinion about this movie and still be basically right. Right. Uh, they cover like the gamut of if you think the movie's shit, if you think the movie is masterpiece, or if you think it's a masterpiece of shit. Um, <laughs> it, it, it really has like everything you can kind of look for and like being as objective as possible when you're talking about like movies and shit. Um, so I did have to pay the Amazon price, which I didn't necessarily want to do, but it was actually worth it. Like, Supporting, you know, Especially the people for $5. Uh, yeah. 
Sorry, I just checked Twitter like an idiot, and Dave Batista just tweeted a thing, and like my soul left my body for a second. What he? What he say? So some, it's nothing like bad. It's just very weird. Okay, that's that's right for him. Uh, so somebody tweeted him and said, "Why are you afraid of love?" I mean, that's a valid question. Like, and he an said, "Because my ex-wife ripped my heart out of my chest and stomped on it a few thousand times before she kicked it out in the gutter, where it ended up in a sewer full of shit and maggots." And then the shrugging emoji. I mean, that's exactly what he told uh, Stone Cold a few years back. So, I, yeah, I, it's the shrugging emoji that sent me. Just the I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe it's that. <laughs> like maybe it's the pain. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's the shit and the maggots. I don't know. <laughs> Shrugging emoji. Do-do-do. Who's, who's to say? <laughs> Certainly not Dave Batista. <laughs> all right, y'all. That's all we got for you today. Check out the episode next week. We'll be dropping a fresh one for you. Until then, peace. Follow Cat at Cat underscore chinetti on twitter twitch instagram and letterboxd follow marcus at showin mad love on twitter and letterboxd follow our twitter page at cat and mark and read us at catseesmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob.wordpress.com this podcast is executive produced by kellen conley and eric greenley thanks for listening we should do this again sometime This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?